0: Hey, friends, welcome to the Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm, a weekly podcast that brings biblical teaching to everyday people in ways we can understand and then put into practice. I'm Gwen DeSelm, and it is my pleasure to be your host for this time together. Our teacher is Dave DeSelm. Dave spent over 40 years in pastoral ministry, planting, growing, and leading a church Currently, he is the executive director of Dave DeSelm Ministries, offering resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as a blog, devotionals, individual and group coaching, speaking, and more. You can find out more about us at davedeselmministries.org. Well, today we're going to pick up where we left off in our last episode, talking about how our lives should reflect on the outside, the changes that Christ has made on the inside. As it says in another of Paul's letters, the old is gone, the new is here. So practically speaking, what should that look like? Well, let's join Dave now as we explore the new you God desires to see.
1: Let's take our Bibles in hand and open them up uh, again to the New Testament letter to the Ephesians. We're going to be looking at chapter 4, the end of chapter 4. Having looked at verses 17 to 24 last week, we saw that though we are in fact new creations in Christ, we still live in this skin and this flesh resonates to the temptations of, of the world and the whispers of the evil one. And so ongoingly, Paul would say to his friends in Ephesus and to us today, live in light of who you are. Don't fall back into old practices, because this world system will seek to suck you back into its current of compromise. That's it was last week, Paul used uh, this wardrobe analogy, really talking about putting off the old and putting on the new, and the verbiage there was as a filthy set of clothes, off with the old and on with the new. Now, I so appreciate multiple people who commented, two men, in fact, who said, you have no idea how timely this was for me. Independently, they said, just last night, I was with some friends, and it was so hard to determine that I wasn't going to go back into what I once was. Thank you. Received an email from another person this week, and they ended the email, definitely time to take off the old and put on the new. I love that off with the old and on with the new. Sounds like a pretty good mantra for us to think through these weeks, don't you think? Off with the old and on with the new. In fact, why don't you say that out loud with me? Off with the old and on with the now. Say it again with a sense of enthusiasm. Off with the old and on with new. Yeah, let's take off the old garments of what we once were and let's put on the new. Now, you might think this is kind of a general teaching Paul offered, but then he gets very specific in verses 25 to 32. So I'm gonna give you four categories this morning by which you can assess yourself which of these four categories would God seem to be putting his finger on as it relates to you taking off the old and putting on the new. But to begin with, let me read you the verses as a whole. Ephesians 4, 25, and following. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Those who've been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need." Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it might benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. There's a whole array of behaviors there, but I chose to categorize them into four areas. And those areas are your speech, your temper, your ethics, and your relationships. So again, by the time we're done, I'm going to ha- ask you to identify which of these four would it seem like the Spirit of God is saying, yeah, this one right here. This is the one I'm talking about. This is where you are tempted these days To put on the old. And I was off with the old and on with the new. So, let's take a look. First of all, there's a category of your speech. You might want to write in your notes, verses, just the, the address, 25, 29, and 31. 25, 29, and 31. No less than three times in this short passage, the Apostle Paul talks about the power of the tongue to do grave damage. Indeed, his colleague James writes these words out of his epistle, the tongue, James writes, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James says, and Paul reiterates, the power of your mouth to do irreparable damage is significant. You can destroy with your tongue alone. And that's why the apostle says you've got to deal with this. Now, what aspects of our tongue do we need to be concerned about? The first one in verse 25, he says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. So the first aspect of how you talk is this idea, this propensity we have to lie. The word falsehood, you see the word pseudos? You've heard that word today. Something is pseudo, right? Pseudo, bogus, fake. It's pseudo. All right? That's what he's talking about here. It's untrue. But this idea of falsehood goes well beyond lying. It includes that, but it can include exaggeration. It can include cheating in school. It can include puffing a resume. Betraying a Confidence. To be deceitful. Lying is as old as the fall of man. The father of lies, Satan, lied to our forefather and foremother, Adam and Eve. They bought into the lie and bit into it, I guess, and ate us out of house and home. But for the rest of the Old Testament, we begin to see how lying is ingrained in our fallen nature. Abraham lied. Isaac lied. Jacob lied. And it cost them and their families greatly Because of their lying. The thing is, we can read those things, but the fact of the matter is, there's probably not a person here who does not struggle with lying. We lie to our employers. We lie to our neighbors. We lie to our parents. We lie to our children. We lie at home. We lie on the job. We lie in the church. And Paul says here, it costs you. Look what's connected to verse 25. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully, for we are all members of one body. Lying undermines trust. Lying breaks relationships. How many times have you said to someone, the, most, the worst thing about the fact that you lied to me is this, I can never fully trust you again. Because it's been broken. Lying always destroys. And Paul says you gotta deal with this, you gotta deal with this. Another aspect is in verse 29. And that verse there is really interesting. Do not let any unwholesome word come out of your mouth. The Greek word sapros there means as with rotten fruit or putrefying meat. Applied to language, it can mean profanity, vulgarity, coarse jokes, vulgar phrases. Watch your mouth, Paul says. But it can also be, unwholesome can also be things like, snide comments, cutting remarks that can tear a person down. And quite frankly, do you know where I'm seeing this more and more, even on the ranks of Christians? Social media. Comments made on Twitter and Facebook that you would never say to a person face-to-face, but tear down and destroy the fabric of relationship. Verse 31 picks up another aspect of this. The word slander is there. Notice the Greek word is blasphemia. To slander someone. Gossip about a person to ruin their their reputation. Innuendo that fuels suspicion about a person. To slander a person. Oh, the destructive power of your mouth. Is it any wonder that King David prayed, Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. So, how are you doing in this first category? Off with the old, on with the new. The power of your mouth to do great damage. Or, perhaps the one that is underscored in your thinking is the second one. And Paul warns us about our temper. You might want to write in your notes verses 26 and 31. 26 and 31 have to do with temper. Strikingly, 26 was really intriguing to me. Notice what it says here. Uh, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, uh, there are multiple Greek words for anger. This word here is not rage. It's not losing it. We'll get to that in just a moment. This word here is a righteous indignation against a wrong. Striking. Because it's this one that he warns us not to let the sun go down on. Here's the deal, friends. There's a place for righteous indignation. Jesus had it. Be angry at the right thing in the right way and at the right time. But the warning that I see here is this. But if you're not careful, your righteous indignation can breed an inner bitterness and you'll simply become an angry person. There's a lot to be angry about in our culture. There's a lot to be angry about about how the way the refugees are treated. There's a lot to be angry about about the way things are going in our country. You got to be careful though. Even good things to be angry about can go bad. And you can. Do you know any angry people? She's just an angry person. He's become an angry man. Good things gone bad. The other word that Paul uses, though, is in verse 31. He talks about rage. And this word has to do with an explosive anger. This has to do with a wild outburst in the passionate moment. We use the phrase, he lost it. He lost it. She lost it. It's an outburst of rage. It's an outburst that can take place in the front seat of a car. It's called road rage. It's an outburst of rage. Angry, explosive. And Paul says, your explosion is going to blow yourself up. It's also going to blow up those you love. And how many kids are marked because of dad's explosive anger? The other word that he uses here in that 31st verse is orge. And this is a smoldering hatred, a deep-seated anger, perhaps at an ex-spouse, perhaps at a person. It's a smoldering hatred. So you've got explosive wrath. You've got an inward, uh, inward hatred, this idea of temper. question. Would the Spirit of God be saying to you, you've become an angry person? This is an area where you need to recognize you need to take off the old and put on the new.
0: You're listening to The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. Dave will continue his message in just a moment. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and then help others find us by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Dave to Ministries depends on the generosity of people like you. If you've been blessed by these messages, consider giving a gift to DDM. Just go to our website, davedisomeministries.org and click on the donate button. In addition to this podcast, Dave to Ministries offers other resources for everyday pastors and the people they lead, such as devotionals for everyday disciples. These devotionals are filled with inspiration from God's Word that will encourage you as you follow Jesus every day. Go to davedosomministries.org and you can browse through the over 150 devotionals found there. Now let's get back to Dave and the rest of today's teaching.
1: Or could it perhaps be the third area, your ethics, your ethics. Verse 28, those who've been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands, your ethics. See, many in the church at Ephesus were slaves. And it was, uh, stealing was regarded as normal among slaves. Slaves always stole. And now Paul is saying, You may still be in that place of being a slave, but you're no longer what you once were. I'm going to call upon you to stop stealing. In our culture, it still works. Steal no longer. Interesting Greek word here. The word is klepto, klepto, from which we get kleptomaniac. Yeah. A kleptomaniac is someone who has an irrational urge to steal. Here's the deal, friends. I think many of us are closet kleptomaniacs. <laughs> A mindset that says, I want it, and I'm going to take it. So, you would never dream of breaking into someone's home and stealing from them. But how about some things like this? How about shoplifting? Christians who get caught shoplifting, I want What I want? Padding your expense account. Dishonest business practices. Refusing to pay your debts. Falsifying your income tax report. Failure to give a full day's work while on the job instead of playing with Facebook or online shopping. Helping yourself to company supplies. Claiming the work or knowledge of another as your own. Stealing. Stealing. Oh, one more. Giving God leftovers rather than a tithe. You say, what's that to do with stealing? According to the Bible, a lot. The Old Testament prophet Malachi Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me, says the Lord Almighty. You ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you're under a curse because you're robbing me. Will a man rob God? Will a person steal from God? For many, the answer is Yes. So, how about this one? Stealing, ethics. We call the person who steals a thief. What would they call you as it relates to your ethics? One more call it your relationships. Verses 31 to 32, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, every form of malice. Then comes the positive, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Let's stick with the positive. This idea of kindness, kindness, crestos. We speak of kindness so easily. Here's one thought. Kindness is tenderness in action to those who are weak. Tenderness in action to those who are weak. Not disgust, not judgment, tenderness in action, not harshness, not irritability. Is it said about you? She is so kind to those who don't even deserve it. The twin of kindness is compassion. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that one. But this word comes from deep within you. Not something surplus, but something deep within you. And finally, forgiveness. You can see in that long word, charis, which means grace. To forgive is to offer grace to those who don't deserve it and perhaps have never even asked for it. Do you hear that? To offer grace to those who don't deserve it and perhaps have never even asked for it. Kindness, compassion, forgiveness. Why? Well, for our sake. If you don't live like that, the root of bitterness will indeed go deep. For the sake of the body, we will only be as strong as a community as individually we apply this. But also for God's sake. Do you see the line, and do not grieve the Spirit of God? How do you grieve the spirit of God when you fail to be kind and compassionate and forgiving? When you try to put on the old instead of going off with the old and on with the new, and it grieves the spirit of God. Wow. Augustine of Hippo lived in the fourth century He was not only an everyday saint, but he was actually a canonized saint. Perhaps you've heard of him as St. Augustine. Augustine was one of the greatest theologians in church history, but before coming to know Christ, it might surprise you, he was one of the biggest playboys in Egypt. He frequented the taverns and the prostitutes, and then was dramatically converted to Christianity. One day after becoming a believer he was walking down the street and he passed by a tavern that he'd used to frequent. And he was also nearing a prostitute with whom he was quite familiar. Smiling, she assumed that he was gonna be taking a left into the tavern and perhaps engage her again. Instead, he kept right on walking down the street, past the tavern door, and was going to pass her by as well. She spoke and said, Augustine, you're going to walk right by me? Don't you recognize? It's me. To which Augustine said, it is no longer me. I once would have turned into the tavern. I once would have engaged you, but I'm no longer me. I'm no longer me. Off with the old, and on with the new. Three words of application, and I'm gonna have you respond. First of all, living the new you starts with a fresh realization of your identity. That's no longer me. Yeah, I used to talk that way. Oh boy. Cuss a blue streak. I used to really be just tearing up of people. I could cut them to ribbons. It's not me. I used to have a real problem with my temper, but God's given me some bigger. That's not me. I used to be a thief. It's not me. I used to be harsh judgmental but that's not me when you recognize that's no longer me you're on your way to living your new you second living the new you continues with an ongoing presenting yourself to the Holy Spirit I heard a great point of application that uh, someone I really respect told me this week he said when the alarm clock rings before I ever go to the restroom brush my teeth or drink the first cup of coffee my knees hit the floor And I give this day to God. Holy Spirit, flow through me freshly. Fill me to the brim with him. May I walk through this day sensitized to you. Every day he does this. Every day. Three, living the new you is maintained by being in a community that will offer accountability. To be with some friends in a small group or a missional community who know you and know when you need an arm around the shoulder or a kick in the seat of the pants. Accountability. So you don't keep lying to yourself. The new you. I asked you at the very beginning, which of these four, if God was going to put his finger in and said, this one, today. Which of these four would he be putting his finger on? And today the Spirit of God would say, off with the old, on with the new.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for The Word for Everyday Disciples with Dave DeSelm. If you'd like to let Pastor Dave know how this message has blessed you, send him an email at Dave at davedesellministries.org. Then join us next time as we look to God's Word for help and hope as we follow Jesus every day.